0: Open your Bibles to Proverbs. Oh. I'm bomb. Open your Bibles to Proverbs 31. Can we stand in honor of God's word this morning? We're going to wrap up our series on a woman who fears the Lord. Look at verse 10. You there? Say amen. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field, and buys it with her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well-known at the city gates where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she's done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Father in heaven, I pray that we would learn from the insights that are afforded us through Proverbs chapter 31 about a woman who fears the Lord. And God, I pray that we would walk away richer. I pray, Father God, that we too would fear you, and if we're not, that we would learn to fear you just as Scripture says we can. And Father, I thank you that if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then we have not even begun to be wise until we fear you. So Father, meet us here, challenge our hearts and lives, and we know that your word does not return empty or void, but it accomplishes that for which you've sent it, So accomplish your word in us today, Father. Challenge each and every heart and life we ask, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Look at somebody and say, this is going to be good. You can be seated. Okay, don't get carried away. Notice in speaking of a woman who fears the Lord, it says that her husband is well-known at the city gates. So how does a woman who fears the Lord have anything to do with her husband's reputation and success? Because the context here revolves around women, but it says her husband is well known at the city gates. Her husband has this reputation, he's successful. The Message Bible says her husband is greatly respected. I got to believe that here, I like that translation best. Ephesians 5, 33 says, the wife must respect her husband. Why? So that he'll have the confidence to develop a good reputation and be a success. Let me say, let me say it this way. If a happy wife Spells a happy life than a happy husband spells a happy family, community and society. And before you think that that's just from some male point of view, I want you to know that father wounds are uh, one of the biggest crisis in America today. Let me offer you a few statistics, and if you don't have time to write them down, you can always check it out again. Later, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, 24 million or one out of every three children live without a biological father at home. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. A child raised in a father absent home is four times the greater poverty risk seven times more likely to be a pregnant teen, more likely to go to prison, and more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Let me make this statement, and I really believe that the Lord gave me, gave me this. A woman who does not respect her husband does not respect her family, and she does not understand the difference a healthy marriage and family can make and the influence that it has. Men, by their very nature, gravitate towards honor and respect. Wherever a man is honored, that's what he'll gravitate towards. Wherever he's honored, that's where you'll find him. It's very easy for a man to become a workaholic and an alcoholic because he could be more somebody in that bar and more somebody in that workplace than he's ever been in the home. And where men are belittled and where they're disrespected, that's where they'll want to be the least. And if you want that husband to remain home, and if you want that husband along to be home, ladies, please respect him. Yeah, but the Bible says that a wife should submit to her husband. That doesn't mean that you're to be some doormat for him. It doesn't mean that he gets the, the, the right to, to walk all over. If you look up that word submit, it means to yield or it means to give way to. I think one of the problems in America is that, that men aren't respected. And men aren't honored as they should be. And ladies, I get it. Your greatest need is to, is to be made to, to feel secure and, and, and to be loved. It, it is a God-given need that you have. But it works both ways. And I just want to say today standing before you that as much as I desire to be honored and respected, the place that I desire respect from more than anywhere else is from my own wife. What she thinks about me and what she says about me matters more than what anybody else could ever say or think about me. And as long as I have her respect, I have strength to face anybody else's disrespect. Maybe you grew up in a home where your mother was dominant and your father wasn't very strong. Maybe you grew up in a home where your father wasn't even there or he was a non-entity in the home. Well, men, young men, I'm speaking to you. It's never too late to be the man that God's called you to be. And isn't it amazing how Jesus modeled the way that a husband is supposed to be for the wife? The Bible says in Ephesians 5 that the husband's supposed to love the wife like Christ did the church, and it says, and Jesus died for the church. So men, pride's the last thing that should dominate a household. In fact, a heart that would be willing to lay itself down, and could it be that the respect isn't there because the heart of a servant isn't there, the willingness to lay your life down isn't there? And I can't stress it, stress it enough. Ladies, respect men. Nobody's telling you that, you know, you need to be a doormat or allow them to walk all over you, but respect them and honor them. And maybe this is a missing piece in so many failed relationships, maybe even failed marriages that you just never knew that you were supposed to respect and you were supposed to honor that man. And for whatever reason, he didn't want to be home, and for whatever reason, it seemed like he poured himself into so many other things. Men, our identity shouldn't be in our work. It shouldn't be in our possessions. I believe the greater part of our identity after Christ should be in our marriages and in our families. And something's wrong when it's sorely lacking, and I believe the whole community feels it. I believe entire cities and nations feel it, and there is a definite crisis in America, and I believe God can restore that, and I believe that's where the church comes in. I believe the church can help men discover who they are once again, can restore that lost identity once again. And I'm asking that you would pray. I'm asking that you would believe with me that churches raise up godly men who know who they are in Christ and they're respected in their homes and they're successful and they're respected at the city gates and they have good reputations. I'm asking you to pray and to believe with me. And ladies, you have an enormous part to play in that. What else does Scripture say about a woman who fears the Lord? Says she's clothed with strength and dignity. This speaks of her character. How many of you know that, that character isn't something that's spoken, it's something that is seen. It is like a garment that you wear, and just like a garment that you wear, something that you're clothed with, it doesn't speak, it's noticed, it's seen. It says she's clothed with strength and dignity. Strength and dignity are seen. And I don't think there's anything that is less attractive than. Then a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. The Bible says a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. Ladies, your beauty isn't in what you flaunt. It's what you're clothed in, strength and dignity. Are you strong? If you're strong, then you don't need the world to see half of what you own. Are you strong? Then there should be a class and a dignity about the way that you carry yourself. I don't care what the trends are out there. I don't care what's fashion and what isn't fashion. If you're clothed with strength and dignity, you shouldn't have to put it out there for everybody to see. What kind of man are you trying to catch anyway? And what do you want him to notice about you first and foremost anyway? Gals, put some thought into the way that you Carry yourself, put some thought in the way that you clothe yourself, both spiritually and physically. Because a woman who fears the Lord is known for her character. That word strength means a condition in which one can exert great force or withstand great force. Are you that woman that can withstand great force coming against you, opposition? Or all it take is a negative comment to sense your world spinning. I can't believe they said it about me and the whole rest of the day is drama. Be a woman of strength. Dignity means best quality. The feature of a person that enhances status, class of high status. I have been around... Women that carry themselves in such a way that even before they say anything, just the way that they carry themselves says that they're just a class act. They're just a class act. And you don't have to ask them, you're a class act, aren't you? You're dignified, aren't you? Why, because it's seen. How awkward would that be? I have been around women of God that carried themselves with such class and dignity that I felt like I was in the presence of royalty. I would say Marilyn Hickey struck me As a woman like that, when I had the opportunity to be around her, I felt like I was around blue blood. I felt like I was around royalty. She just carried herself that way. When you carry yourself in such a way, it almost demands that people respond to you that way. And you're not arrogant, and you're not haughty, and you're not looking down your nose at anybody. It isn't the way that um, you want people to treat you. It's the way that you carry yourself, and it commands respect. It commands respect. And your words are oftentimes the last thing that are heard. People have already got you figured out by the way that you walk, the way that you dress, the things that you look at, things that you laugh at. And out of all the things that a woman who fears the Lord could laugh at, it says she laughs without fear for the future. I love that line. The message Bible says she always faces tomorrow with a smile, with a smile. A woman who fears the Lord isn't fearful, she's faithful. She's not full of fear, she's full of, full of faith. She's full of faith for tomorrow, not fear for tomorrow. Isn't it amazing that in the last days the Bible says that men's hearts, and of course you understand that in Scripture sometimes when it says men, it's speaking about all of mankind, It says, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Fear is going to be an epidemic in the last days. And I believe there is going to be a strong contrast between fear and faith. And you aren't going to have to tell anybody that you're a person of faith. It'll be seen because you'll not be given to fear. Fear is a nasty, wicked taskmaster, and it will drive you, and it will determine the way that you live your life. It'll determine where you go and how far. It'll determine how you travel and how far. It'll determine the relationships you have and how long they last. Fear will crush your life if you give in to its demands, and fear, being a spirit that is not from God, is always demanding that you notice it. And fear, like any other demonic spirit, caters to self, but any God-given spirit wants to use you to minister to others. There's a difference in that which is self-catering and a difference between that which is a servant's heart. It's a, it's a heart that would lay its life down for one another. No greater love has a love than one who would lay his life down for another. Fear, anger, lust, it all caters to self. It all gets you to, be, to, to think about you and how you haven't been treated like you wish you have been treated. And fear is going to be one of the most dominant spirits, I believe, on the planet in the last days. And it will cause men's hearts to literally fail them. Hearts are going to give out because people are so bound by fear. And God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, a sound mind, a sound mind. One of the reasons why I am consistently in the Word of God, it's how I start my my day with God's Word, is because God's Word is like a cleansing agent that washes over your mind. John 15, 3 says, you're already clean because of the Word that I've spoken to you. Ephesians 5, 26 speaks about the washing of the water of the Word. You need to get the Word of God washing over your mind again and again and again and again and again. Why? Romans 12 tells us that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And church, unless you can think of something else, I surely can't. The only thing that I know that has the power to renew a mind and transform a life is the Word of God, the Spirit of the living God. And so you need to be around the presence of God and you need to be in the Word of God as much as you possibly can be in these last days. And we, should be, we should be regular church attenders because the presence of God is there and the Word of God is there. Don't let the enemy creep in and say, did you see the way that those people looked at you at church? They call themselves Christians. Well, what about all the other godly people that aren't treating you bad? You know that ministers are leaving the ministry to the tune of about 1,800 a month? And they say the average minister leaves a church because of four to six people? Listen, it happens to everybody. Ministers are not exempt. And if you are not seeing to it that you are in the presence of God and washing your mind with the word of God, then many times little change comes, and you don't have the strength and the wherewithal to face the future like a woman who fears the Lord can do so, laughing about the future. She doesn't have concerns about the future because she knows the one who holds the future. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. I would recommend a book if you haven't read it by John Bevere, Fear the Lord. In my opinion, it's one of his best. It's been out for quite a while. I'm sure that you can get it. I would read it. It is a great book great book. Notice in verses 26 through 27, it goes on to describe a woman who fears the Lord. It says her words are wise. Do you know how powerful your words are? My wife has the ability to build me up or to tear me down with her words. A woman who fears the Lord is wise with her words. Use your words wisely and use them well. Speak life over somebody. Don't speak death over somebody. Scripture is clear. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So speak it. Speak life. Speak life. Encourage one another. You should be each other's husbands and wives. You should be each other's greatest encouragers. You should be each other's greatest intercessors. You should be each other's cheerleaders. The greatest compliments that are given should come from you. I'm always telling my wife that she's beautiful. I'm always hitting on her. And it annoys her, and I think that that's cool. I... Notice it says that she gives instructions with kindness. Be kind with your instructions. Be kind. No, don't treat people like they're dumb because they don't know what you know. And and think about it. The better part of what you know is through life experience. I was just encouraging a close friend of mine, his wife last night, his health has taken a, a downturn and I've asked many of you to pray for him and I I said women are going to come to you and they're going to come to you for wisdom and I'm sorry for the painful way that you've acquired it but I'm so grateful for the fact that you're going to use it and I don't know why it is but we act sometimes after we've been walking with the Lord for a long time like we just floated into all this wisdom that we just one day figured it all out now if you were going to be honest you'd say that a lot of the wisdom that you've acquired has come from painful life experience and so give it that way You know what, I've learned this painfully so that you don't have to. You know, I went through this, so hopefully I'll keep you from going through this. You know what, I wouldn't go where you're headed. Give your instructions with kindness. Give them with kindness. Third thing it says about a woman who fears the Lord is she carefully watches everything in her household. I just want to say this, ladies. Your first priority after Jesus, your relationship with the living God, is your household. Carefully. Watch over it, carefully watch over it. And women, you are intuitive, especially if you are a saved, spirit filled woman who fears the Lord. You are incredibly intuitive and discerning. I think women, just by their nature, are intuitive. How much more one that is filled with the Spirit of the living God and is sold out and surrendered to Jesus Christ? Watch over your household. Watch over your household. You know what? No, 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 no. We're not gonna let that in our house. Why not, Mom? You know what? I don't feel good about it. I just, something about it just, to, just it, it doesn't feel right. Don't let it in. Anything you let in your door, you're given permission to, you're endorsing. You're saying that you approve of it. Be very, very careful about what you let in your door. Carefully watch over your household. Says she suffers nothing from laziness. Gals, don't be lazy, because I'll guarantee if you are, the devil will be more than accommodating. He'll allow you to go from being busy in a productive way to being a busybody in an unproductive way. And don't be that gal that is so wrapped up in Facebook that your nose is in everybody's business. Maybe we need to boycott Facebook. Maybe we need to take a month of of Facebook off, because that's not real living. I love the commercial. I've got 600 friends, this is real living. And the gal's parents are out and they're mountain biking and stuff. And I just, I love that commercial. I haven't seen it in a little while. That's not really living. You're not connected socially, it's a myth. And if you wouldn't say it to somebody face to face, then you're a coward for saying it in social media. Please. I always told my sons, don't you dare tell a girl that you love her if you won't tell her to her face, you coward. You're going to text that? My gosh. What else does it say about a woman who fears the Lord? The family of a woman who fears the Lord will speak well, of her. A woman who fears the Lord is blessed by her children. A woman who fears the Lord is praised by her husband. A woman who fears the Lord will be praised. A woman who fears the Lord will have deeds that publicly declare her praise. And let me put this all in a package. If you've forgotten the source of Psalm 31, most theologians believe that Psalm 31 was the instruction of a mother to a son, not just any son, a king, and not just any king, King Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived. And if that's true, then it is Bathsheba who is giving this advice. And how many of you know that Bathsheba had lived a little? That she had had a few experiences and they all weren't pretty. We're talking about a woman that I believe, was not blameless in Scripture in the account with her and King David. There's no record of Bathsheba claiming that the king took her against her will and raped her or forced himself on her. She was a willing participant. And because she was, she becomes pregnant out of an adulterous affair with King David. And King David, to cover up his sin, has to give get her husband killed and her husband just wasn't any man he was one of David's mighty men a guy that would have given and probably did give his life on a numerous occasions to protect King David Bathsheba's father was one of David's mighty men this woman had learned some things painfully from poor choices And so her advice is something that I believe should be heeded because she was far from perfect. Yet her advice was so sound that the wisest king that ever lived heeded it and he recorded it for our benefit today. And I believe we should listen to it. Bathsheba had seen it all and most of it firsthand. She understood character and reputation unlike few others could. She had experienced the depths and consequences of sin. She had seen loyalty to the death in her father and first husband. She understood respect and honor as a queen, dare I say, respect and honor that maybe she didn't even deserve, which is the case probably for all of us that we are respected and honored in ways that we don't deserve. Pastor John, I've made a lot of poor choices. I've made a lot of bad mistakes. We all have. But this is what I know about God. I know that God can change anyone's life in a moment. That God can put anyone on a right track in a moment. But the decision is really ours. God's provided all that we need pertaining to life and godliness. Scripture's clear on it. You can read it in Ephesians 1, verse 3. The choice is really ours. Now we can adopt a a religious form of Christianity where we've got all these outward observances or we can see real transformation come as we surrender our lives completely and wholly to Jesus Christ and we trust him. See, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Nobody forces Christianity on any of us. Nobody makes anyone become a Christian. You choose from your heart to become a Christian. Let me just ask this. How many of you attended church for quite a while before you made a decision to surrender all to Jesus Christ? Raise your hand. Why? Because God was working on them. He was softening those hard hearts. And his consistent presence that was felt time and time and time again assured you and me and everybody else that made a decision to leave all and follow Christ that I am here. I won't leave you and forsake you. That just assures as my presence is there every time we meet as a church, my presence will be there for you. I am an ever-present help in times of trouble, Scripture says. You're gonna trust your natural instincts? Are you gonna hope that that next relationship is your savior? Or are you gonna completely sell out to Jesus Christ and then from there, that being your center, your focal point, begin to navigate life? Young and old alike, if you're here today And you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, sir. You're religious at best. I want to give you an opportunity to do so today. So let's pray.